Welcome to Integrative Conversations, hosted by the Academy of Integrative Mental Health. The Academy expands knowledge to professionals in the mental health community and beyond using a conscious, experiential, and evidence-based format. Our mission is to deliver comprehensive health and wellness to all by empowering personal and professional growth and confidence. To learn more, visit us at www.academyimh.com. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Stewart here, faculty and content coordinator at the Academy of Integrative Mental Health. I recently sat down with Allison Hendry and we had a conversation about her experience as an integrative health coach, her own wellness journey, and how she helps her clients implement nutritional habits that work for them. At the end of our conversation, Allison also shares a strategy we can all start using right away to make positive changes for ourselves and for our clients, so stay tuned. Before we get to the conversation, I want to share with you a unique offering just for our listeners and colleagues. The Academy is launching our featured course called Three Core Integrative. If you are a mental health professional interested in becoming more competent in integrative modalities and treatment, we invite you to learn more about this unique certification program. After successfully building an integrative mental health group practice with four locations, our founders, Juniper Owens and Nicole Sartini-Seprek, decided to help other mental health professionals get started as an integrated practitioner. They have spent years of fine-tuning our model through trial and error, laborious research, trainings, and conferences, as well as analyzing positive longitudinal client results, so you don't have to. The three cores of integrative practice for mental health professionals stand for movement, mindfulness, and nutrition, which are the top three most evidence-based integrative modalities that you can incorporate within your scope of practice. In this certification training, you will become well-versed in how nutrition, movement, and mindfulness can help improve client outcomes and improve your experience as a mental health provider. As an adjunct faculty, Juniper designed the course similar to other online courses she has designed at the graduate level of study. The course is evidence-based and offers a multimedia-based learning experience to enhance the quality of education you will receive. Here at the Academy, we also believe that personal development is just as important as professional development. At the end of each module, we offer guided practices for your own self-care that you can also use with your clients. The course comes complete with assessment and evaluation tools, handouts for your clients, and recommendations based on current evidence and top practitioners in the field. If you are interested in learning more, please check out www.academyimh.com. To celebrate the launch of this course, we are offering our listeners $100 off the course for the next three months. Please use the code Integrative Conversations to receive your discount. Now, let's get started with our episode on food habits and mental health with Allison Hendry. Our guest today is Allison Hendry. 
Allison is an integrative nutrition health coach and speech language pathologist. She studied with the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and her interest in health coaching began in 2010. She finished her health coaching certification this April and specializes in helping educators, medical providers, and caregivers of individuals with special needs prioritize and find time for much needed self-care. She takes an integrative approach that explores the connection between the way you feel your life and the way you feel your body and believes eating quality whole foods is one of the key cornerstones to healing our bodies and brains. But all the kale and broccoli in the world cannot fully counteract a stressful lifestyle, so she'll share a tool at the end of our conversation that we can all use to start making changes in our own habits. So let's jump right in to our conversation on food habits and our mental health with Allison. Allison, welcome. I'm so happy to have you. I'm so excited to get get started and talk about all this. Thank you, Laurel. I've been really looking forward to this conversation too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I guess we'll just start with you, I think. Uh, So when we were talking prior to recording our episode together, you mentioned that you have your own story around making behavioral changes in your eating and maybe specifically related to managing depression for yourself. Um, Can you share some about your personal experience and how this led you to being a health coach and and interest in integrative coaching in that way? Yeah, absolutely. So I've always had just kind of some general healthy habits. My mom was a really great role model of healthy habits. So I grew up in a house that focused on eating healthy food and exercise. And I just knew that that was kind of part of a balanced life. Mm-hmm. And when I became a speech language pathologist and working in public schools, I, I pretty quickly in my first couple of years was approaching burnout, dealing with really high caseloads and really high demands with not enough time. And I was in my you know mid twenties at the time and was like, I don't know how I'm going to sustain um, my, this kind of a uh, work life and had really let some of my healthy habits slip to the side Um, And so I really started, this was like in 2009, 2010, really started looking at myself and coaching myself through certain, um, certain fitness programs and nutritional experiments is what I like to call them um, and seeing how it helped me feel. And I really noticed that I was better as a clinician. I was better at my job. I felt better. I felt happier. And so that kind of got me on the journey of wow, this like health coaching thing is really needed, especially for people who are working in fields like education and medicine and that are caregivers and that are just pouring themselves into others all the time. So that's kind of where I got started with health coaching and where my interest began. Um, I think now after um, having a good amount of therapy and counseling myself over the years, because I'm a human being and I'm living a human experience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> is needed. Um, I think that now looking at myself, I can say that I've kind of always struggled with a little bit of low grade depression and anxiety that wasn't ever diagnosed. Um, but just kind of stemming from some perfectionistic tendencies from being a high achiever. Um, and so I've really taken some time to, to look at that in my own counseling Um, And I've made a lot of progress. So pat on the back, progress, not perfection. Good job. Very nice. (laughs) Um, However, in uh, 2017, that kind of started a series of major life events for me. So in in April of 2017, my mom was diagnosed with stage four gastric cancer, kind of out of the blue at age 57. And I moved home, became her caregiver and lost her five months later. So that was, that was a really um, traumatic time. There's a lot of grief with that. I was incredibly close with her. Um, So kind of working through some of that. And then actually just this past October, only 10 months ago, my partner had a really terrible accident, rock climbing, um, sustaining a spinal cord injury and paraplegia. So we have been through the ringer um, over the last few years. So of course it has been challenging. It's been challenging for my mental and emotional health and consequently physical health too. But I think that, you know, everything that I have done in life for myself leading up to this point prepared me 
for this point because I had so many good habits to lean into. And honestly, my my morning routine, exercise, meditation and exercise have been my lifeline through these major changes and being a caregiver to two of my closest people in my life um, and dealing with a lot of the emotions associated with that. So that, that first and foremost has been my lifeline and I've been really grateful for that. Um, as a health coach, I know the importance of good nutrition and I've got to say that, you know, during, during my mom's illness and during my partner's recovery, what I aimed for was eat my fruits and vegetables, drink a superfood shake and whatever else happens, happens. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like that balance. That sounds very reasonable. Yeah, to be totally honest. So that means eating what was available that maybe somebody else prepared because it was one less thing for me to have to do. Um, eating foods that felt comforting because I needed to feel something that felt comforting. Um, that was kind of an, an outlet. Um, and for me, a lot of those things tended to be sweets. Ice cream is my number one. I love ice cream. And if I knew I was going to die tomorrow, I would spend today eating ice cream. It's just my favorite food. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because I'm right there with you. Yep. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, a glass of wine, not, you know, not a bottle of wine every night, but, you know, a glass of wine most nights out of the week really started to become kind of a habit. And it was an easy way to, you know, relax and unwind with all the other stressors going on. So a glass of wine most nights out of the week, not a bottle of wine, but just a glass most nights out of the week became a really easy habit to slip into um, because it was, you know, a quick release and a quick feel good in an otherwise really stressful time. And COVID really hasn't done anybody any favors in that regard. Um, Nope. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. That's a very common theme, I think, for most of us. Yep. Yeah. And I think if you're dealing with other things in addition to COVID right now, it is just, you know, it is, it it can feel insurmountable at times. It can feel incredibly challenging. So my heart is with people who are also going through other things on top of a global pandemic. So knowing what I know and some of the awareness that I had, I was, um, I was really feeling myself kind of getting into some cycles of depression and anxiety and, Rightfully so, there was there was some major changes going on. Um, what I started to notice too is that I was getting a lot of aches and pains in my body, and it wasn't until like one morning I woke up and I looked down at my right hand, and it was totally inflamed. All of my joints were inflamed. It was painful to bend my fingers. They were red. They were swollen, and it was kind of my that was like my wake up call of, okay, I really have some inflammation in my body as a health coach, as a holistic, um, professional, I knew that I knew, I know the importance of food being medicine or poison in our bodies. And so that was really my, my awakening of, okay, you have been eating a lot of foods for comfort. That is okay, but it's time to get back to what you know. And so I I went through an elimination diet. I'm a big fan of the Whole30. Um, So I did the Whole30 in January this past year, and I've done it now a handful of times. I'm actually on day 12 right now. Oh, good job. Congratulations. I know the beginning of that can be the more challenging part. Like once once you're in it, it feels a lot easier, but Mm -hmm. the start can be a little... Mm-hmm. A little bit of an adjustment if you haven't been doing that. So good, good work. <laughs> it sure can. And January this year was an adjustment. <laughs> I had to take a lot of naps. Um, <laughs> but what I will say is that within six days, the inflammation in my hands was gone. And by the time I got to my premenstrual cycle, which had been a time that the depression would really creep in and could be really debilitating, by the time that came around, I had no PMS symptoms. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So although I've been exploring food and nutrition, all this for, you know, better part of a decade, this was the first time that I really put the connection together between food 
and my mental health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's a lot easier for people, myself included, but people, especially that are sort of new to that world Mm -hmm. of nutrition and food being medicine or food being poison, all those components to our nutrition to equate it with physical health benefits or physical health detriment, but that mental health component, a lot of people forget about, and it really, really is a reality. So like you were saying to experience no PMS symptoms would be amazing. I think for a lot of people that would be life-changing. I know for some people that I know. So yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, everybody's body's a little bit different. We each metabolize food a little bit differently depending on a lot of factors. For me, I notice that sugar, alcohol, and gluten are my, my triggers for depression and anxiety. When those start to creep back into my diet, those, the, the mental health gets trickier. Mm. Mm. Um, so I think the way that this has this, this awareness in my own personal experience has changed the way that I coach my clients is that there's, there's kind of life before 2017 and life after 2017. Um, before I kind of had a no excuses sort of attitude and approach. And I kind of prided myself on being a no excuses girl. And I would kind of like muscle through healthy habits, even if I didn't really feel like it. It's like, I didn't feel like working out, but I did. I wanted to eat chocolate, but instead I ate an apple. And, you know, just saying no excuses, no excuses. And like trying to build my clients up from a positive standpoint. But what I've learned is actually there are really valid excuses. <laughs> there yeah. are really valid things that are happening in people's lives. And it kind of, it, it took going through some really serious things in my own life to change my approach. Um, so now instead of helping my clients just debunk all of their excuses, we take some time to like really go deeply into the barriers, into what is kind of causing them challenges in making habit changes, whether it's for food or exercise or, or something else, and understand where it's coming from and kind of what need it's serving. Because every habit we have is serving some sort of a need, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I think that that's so important to remember. And I'm really glad that you're speaking to that because I could understand where that no excuses mentality would come from, but that is where a lot of people that I've worked with and in myself included find that habits aren't sustainable because like you said, there are, there are real excuses sometimes and we need what we need sometimes. And we're going to find a way to meet that need no matter what and shaming ourselves for having needs doesn't lead to sustainability, but finding other ways to be okay with our needs and get them met would very much more so, I would imagine. Yeah, totally. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what would you say are some of the like 101 food and food habits 101 components that are most helpful for someone to know that's brand new or like, where do you usually start with your clients? So it sounds like, do you start with talking about what are your needs here? Do you start with um, walking through what they're already doing? Where would be the best place to begin for them? That's a great question. Um, I really love helping somebody who's like brand new to clean eating. I love helping the newbies kind of start to navigate this and figure it out. Um, understanding like their own inner why, like what the, the why of the need, the, what is behind that need, and then getting to the actual what and the how of making those habit changes, um, and what, what to eat, what to do. Um, I always start with an intake session and just get an idea of what you're eating right now. And it's no judgment. It's just, let's, let's just put it all out on the table. What does a typical day look like for you? What does maybe three days look like for you? Um, just to kind of get an idea. Um, I also ask a lot of questions about other aspects of their life. So about family, about work, about relationships, about their joy, about 
digestion, about if it's a female, about menstrual cycle, about sleep habits, like all of these things are so intertwined um, with food and with habits and with the needs and all of that stuff. So it can, it can be kind of a, a big web. So there's a lot of questions in the beginning. <laughs> um, and everybody's just a little bit different. Yeah. Um, one of the first activities that I do with all my clients is what's called a circle of life. And what this does is looks at um, primary foods compared to secondary foods. So secondary foods are the foods that we put on our plate. Okay. That we eat, that we consume. Okay. Primary foods are the ways that our life is fueled other than food. So fueled by relationships, fueled by career, fueled by creativity or by joy or by what our home environment is like. Um, so that's kind of where the whole idea of you can eat all the broccoli, you can eat all the kale that you want to eat. But if you're if you're in a relationship that's unfulfilling or if your job is, you know, creating kind of this like toxic stress load for you, or if you're not getting enough sleep, your health is going to suffer. So for some of, some of my clients, we can start right away with food. Other clients, we have to start with, well, I should say we'll start right away with secondary food. Other clients, we have to start with primary food. So each session is super individualized for each person. So we might start at different, different points for each person. For some people, we may start right with the food and get right to it. Other people, we might start with other areas of life, like the work and the joy and the sleep and movement, et cetera. Um, I really believe and work with my clients on making small changes over time. And so each session, we just have like, one, two, three max things for them to try between the session and the next session. Oftentimes it's try one food thing and try one life thing. Um, whatever it is that they, that, you know, that they're kind of leaning towards that they're needing. Um, and everything is an experiment. We're just going to experiment. Let's just see what happens if you experiment with these things. I like that languaging because I think it can be really difficult to make even small changes and it can be really scary. So that experiment, ex excuse me, experiment languaging is probably very helpful in getting people on board. Right. Um, and I'm also curious, I, I love the idea of the primary and the secondary, I've, the secondary foods. I've never heard that before, but that makes so much sense to me, the way that you speak about it. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious how people respond to that because I would imagine somebody coming in and saying to themselves, okay, like Allison's going to give me a diet plan. She's going to teach me what foods to eat and not to eat. She's going to give me a really great list of rules that I can follow to be well, but that is not how you're working it doesn't sound like at all, so I, which I love, but how do people respond to that idea? Because that's very counterintuitive to, I think, what most people would consider nutritional coaching. Sure. Um, honestly, your response, the, oh, I never thought about it that way. I get a lot of that from my clients and just kind of seeing, seeing the gears turning and starting to click into place. Um, so most of the time I've had really positive, um, positive conversations with my clients about it. And I think it really validates a lot of things for them. Like, no, there's nothing wrong with you that you can't follow this strict diet plan, start to finish Monday through Friday, three meals a day. Like there's, there are other things that are affecting this secondary food that's affecting your food choices and therefore affecting your health. And I think bringing some light to that and bringing some validation to this might be why you've had a hard time making changes in the past. Cause by the time people are coming to me for health coaching, this is not their first time trying to make a health change. Right. Right. Of course. Yeah. So there's a lot of probably shame I would imagine around why can't I do this? You know, what's wrong with me? Everybody else can follow these diet plans and lose 20 pounds and they're happy and healthy. And I 
for some reason can't. So it must be my fault. So I'm sure that is helpful in pulling back the curtain on that a little bit and normalizing like, Hey, there's a lot more that goes into this than just straight willpower. Yeah, absolutely. Will willpower only gets you so far. (laughs) It it lasts like a week. (laughs) Right. Well, and I always say to my clients and my therapist probably needs to say to me more often, um, if willpower were all it took to do things, like I wouldn't have a job. <laughs> so, you know, it's, the, it's not just you, it's everybody. That's not how, that's not how humans work. So I, I would definitely agree. So like with that being said, what do you find is the biggest barrier to your clients or just to people in general and making these sustainable changes for themselves? Is there a common thread there? Is it work? Is it stress? Is it family? Is it all of the above? Like, what do you notice being the the biggest hurdle to jump over for most people? It's a really good question. My initial response is, it just depends. It depends person to person. Sure. I think if I could categorize it all into like one umbrella, it would be stress. Mm-hmm. Um, because stress, stress captures work, it captures family, home life. It captures, um, honestly, like it captures sleep. It captures some exercise habits. Oftentimes if you're if you're stressed, you're not exercising very much or over-exercising. Um, so I think, I think stress, like stress is the, that I found is like the number one killer of willpower. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. stress comes in and then you go right into fight or flight response. Right. And you're trying, you're trying to manage that. And so at that point, you're not making cognitive decisions. You're just surviving in the moment. And sometimes surviving in the moment means I need a quick fix. I need something that feels good right now so that I can get through the next hour of my day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And that fight or flight is real. So I've, I've noticed a lot of people expecting themselves to be in rest and digest like they usually are pre pandemic. And I think we're all sort of low key in fight or flight right now, even if it's not total panic all the time, which for some people, I know that it has been, but even people that aren't experiencing high intense panic because of all of this change that we've been having to deal with and this uncertainty around what anything is supposed to be or look like, or is going to look like in the future. Um, we are all experiencing extra stress right now. So have you noticed a change since that's all gone down for us in how you work with your clients and make it like, you know, helping them to navigate those emotions along with all of their already their primary stress sources and their work and their family and those kinds of things. Absolutely. Um, Which is, going to lead us into the activity we're going to do at the end, because this is an activity that I've started doing with my clients specifically during this time. Oh, wow. Okay. Most great. People, most people are really looking for some sort of comfort. Mm-hmm. There's just something that feels good because we were inundated with messages from the outside world of, I mean, there's, there's fear, there's uncertainty, there's, Right. There's fear for your own personal health and safety and for the health and safety of others, but also fear for losing a job or, you know, some, some sadness, not being able to spend the time with people that you want to spend time with. Mm -hmm. And all those are those primary areas those primary foods. Yeah. Um, One thing that, you know, during, during coaching sessions in general, and especially what's been going on right now, um, I think, you know, you asked about like, what's a common thread. I think another common thread that I see is just getting stuck in a cycle. Mm. So you get stuck in a cycle, like let's, let's use depression or or feeling sad, for example. 
um, you're looking for a quick fix that helps you feel better. And for a lot of people that can be sugar, that can be a glass of wine, it can be something, whatever that, that vice is. And it's a temporary feel good. It releases the feel good hormones in your brain. And so you're like, ah, oh, finally something that feels good. But it, <laughs> The actual biochemical reaction in your body with things like sugar and alcohol just creates this, this crash and this depression on the other side. So then you go from depression to feeling good and then back to depression again. And then you can easily get trapped in the cycle of trying to get in it, you know, get out of that, that depression mindset. Right. Um, so I think that's where, that's where having a coach a therapist, um, a strong, you know, a support system of friends and family that you can talk to during that time, or even, you know, an, an accountability group full of strangers, but that, you know, you can like have some, you know, authentic accountability with can be really, really helpful. Um, just to give voice to what's going on, just to shed light on it, because sometimes we just have to shed light on these things before we're able to make a change. Some people are incredibly intrinsically motivated and I am in awe of those people. Me and too. I would say <laughs> the majority <laughs> of people need some external support and external accountability. Right. Um, so in, in coaching sessions, there's just, there's never any shaming. There's no food shaming. There's no self shaming. If we, you know, if there is, I, I always tell my clients like, you're going to slip up, which I don't even like that word, right? You're yeah. going to go off your plan. And that's just part of being human. It's part of living the human experience. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's for something really fun, like your birthday. You're like, oh, I want to have cake on my birthday. Mm -hmm. um, or sometimes it's because you are having a moment of weakness where like that willpower, that willpower goes away for that moment. Um, after you've had a tough day and then you just like reach for the cookies and mindlessly eat the cookies. Either way, it's going to happen. It happens to me. It happens to other coaches I know. Like it just, it just happens. And it's okay. The cookie police isn't going to come after you. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to have to use that one. That's, that was good. Please do. Um, so we just, I just say, let's, let's just talk about it. Let's see, like, how do you envision that situation? How would you do it differently next time? Like what, what could, now that you're not in fight or flight, flight mode, how do you see yourself doing that differently and maybe taking them through like a visualization of how mm -hmm. that could be different? Um, and also that being said, like, I'm a big fan of indulgences. Like I mentioned, ice cream mm -hmm. is my favorite. I'm not, I don't want to give up ice cream for the rest of my life. I really mm -hmm. enjoy it. Um, and I, I also encourage my coaching clients, like, it's okay to have indulgences and sometimes they can be planned. Sometimes they can be spontaneous. Either way is okay, um, depending on each individual person, how, how they tick. But the really interesting thing is that our bodies metabolize food in a really interesting way. So the state of our mood and the state of our emotions affects how our bodies metabolize and process food in that moment. Mm. Can you talk a little bit more? I'm so interested in this. Uh -huh. Can you talk a little bit more specifically about that? Yeah. So if you are, well, I'll just, I'll use pizza this time just for sake of variety. Sure. That's my, that's my second favorite indulgence after ice cream. We would be, you and I would be able to go out and party because you're talking about all of my favorite foods as well. Like once COVID is over, I'm down for a pizza, wine, ice cream networking situation. <laughs> it's, a delicious, it's a delicious try-in. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Nobody's, nobody's arguing with the deliciousness of any of those things. No. Mm -hmm. So if we're, so say you choose to eat pizza, whether you're choosing it intentionally or it just happens, if you go into that meal with a sense of shame or a sense of anxiety about what you're eating. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going off my plan. Is this going to make me slip back? Am I going to gain weight just, you know, from this? Is it going to make me do X, Y, Z and having some anxiety or having some shame around it as you're eating, your body is releasing cortisol. It's releasing that stress hormone. So mm -hmm. as you're processing that food, you're actually more likely to convert that food to fat because that cortisol level is present. 
It's going to affect your digestion. It affects how the food like integrates into your body and Mm -hmm. how it fuels your body. On the other hand, if you go into a meal with gratitude and saying, I am so grateful to be sitting here and eating this pizza. I have been waiting for this moment, or I'm grateful that somebody just delivered a pizza and I don't have to cook a meal. It wasn't Mm -hmm. what I was planning, but I'm grateful that it's one less thing for me to do today. And allowing yourself to indulge, allowing yourself to enjoy it. Your body is going to synthesize and metabolize those nutrients differently than if cortisol is present. That is so, as you're talking about that, I actually get like chills on my body because I think how powerful that would be for somebody to hear just how freeing, you know, like it's a, it's a shift in mind, not a shift in food. It's not creating a sense of rules and regulations, but it's, um, I mean, I don't know. I just think that's amazing how, how cool that, that really could be for, for people. I would imagine people when they hear that, when you talk with them about that, really respond to that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's different if somebody has a true allergy. Mm-hmm. Oh, a sure. True, a true sensitivity, a true condition that affects that, you know, if they eat gluten, they will get physically sick. Right. right. Different situation. But if you're just looking at kind of some more general um, food and eating habits, I have found that to be really powerful. Also, when going into a meal with that sense of gratitude and that indulgence, usually we eat less because we mm-hmm. savor it more and mm-hmm. we enjoy it more. And then that enjoyment is part of primary food. That's the primary food of joy. So we can, so we're like fueling ourselves emotionally while we're fueling ourselves physically. Ah, I love that. Oh my gosh. That is so cool. (laughs) I I just love that model and how it's all connected and even how we speak to ourselves about what we're doing is connected. It's not just oh, I say a mantra and I feel better. It's actually having physical effects. Totally. On our body and our mind. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. I'm, as you're talking about that, I just am curious, um, you know, I think a lot of us carry around messages that we've sort of internalized about food that don't necessarily they didn't necessarily originate with us, right? You were talking about support systems a little bit ago, and I think those are very important. But I also have a lot of clients, and I'm sure you've encountered this in your work too, whose support systems that they love very much, their family, their partner, whoever, have difficulty approaching food with that mentality and they carry around a lot of shaming language inside of themselves and might pass it on. Right. And so maybe, maybe our client support system is not helping them because they're not helping to reinforce that message of approaching food with joy. And it's okay to have indulgences. And so that sort of turns into the client's own internalized language around that. And so I'm curious if you've encountered that where somebody's support system isn't helping them (laughs) and how you help them work with that and talk about the changes they're trying to make for themselves in a way that feels good to them and still stay connected and feel supported. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that can be really tricky. Um, I've had this happen. Yeah. A a number of times um, with Mm -hmm. some of my clients and it, it is an additional challenge. Mm-hmm. With that client, if your if your immediate surroundings are are not really supportive of big lifestyle changes, mm-hmm. um, that I think ex- external support makes a huge difference. Of course, we're all missing in person connection, but there are so many opportunities right now for virtual connection, mm-hmm. um, and we just I think we have to be willing to look outside of our own bubble 
mm-hmm. for any kind of habit change that we're making. Um, maybe it starts in our own bubble, but I think for it to really start to generalize, we've got to go outside of our own bubble. So seeking out some other people that you can, you can talk to about it, that is a safe place to talk to without the shame, without the judgment, because those connections still matter. They still make a difference. Maybe it's not your primary relationship in your life, but over time, over time, those external relationships become stronger and it becomes more of a supportive system. So it really is about kind of allowing yourself to show up. Um, What I've also found a lot of times is that you know, for example, if somebody's partner or spouse is not supportive of habit changes or um, maybe does carry the shame or why, why are you doing that? Why are you eating like that? That's not what I want to eat or, okay, I'm going to, you make whatever you want. I'm going to order a pizza and I'm just right. going to eat this pizza. And then it's right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times what I find too, is that the partner who's not making the changes, there can be kind of like a threat to the relationship. Right. You see your you see your partner starting to make some healthy changes and you wonder, are, am I still going to be enough for them? Mm. And are they going to like take off without me and leave me behind in the dust? So I think that that is really that's a pretty core reason why somebody might not be super supportive. Um, so I think taking a step back to look at the primary food of relationship and talk, you know, talk within that relationship. Um, I think it's really easy for then somebody to just be like, well, no, I'm going to make my changes. And the other person's like, no, I'm not going to do that with you. And then we're just at odds and it's not helpful to the relationship and it really can drive a wedge. And if it's a relationship, um, you know, worth, worth keeping that you want, that you want to keep, it really has to take some intentional effort to say, I love you. And this is, this is why I'm making these changes for myself and for us not to leave you behind in the dust. Mm, Yeah. I think that's really powerful. And I think that speaks to that internal need that maybe their partner has that's not getting met. And so to speak directly to that, I think could be a great bridge, but again, I, I just really appreciate the connection to back to those, like, what are, is that your primary, a primary food that Mm -hmm. we need to work on because Mm -hmm. it is so interconnected in so many ways. That makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm curious just to sort of switch gears a little bit, because as you're talking about all of these things, I know that um, we're going to do a practice together in a little bit, but do you have any other like go-to foods that, you know, will give you a mood boost or an energy boost? Like I want to give our listeners maybe some really quick, like I can take this and I can do it today and I can know that it's going to be beneficial to me, even if it's just like a secondary food. We're not digging into the primary ones, but we're talking about the secondary ones. Yeah, for sure. So the first one um, is not a food. I'm going to cheat a little bit, but is water. All right. I count that. I mean, I know it's not a food, but we need it. So for sure. Mm -hmm. It still goes into the category of food. Um, And food contains water. So there you go. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times cravings are actually just the effect of being dehydrated. Mm -hmm. So drinking a glass of water can often curb a craving. Mm -hmm. So however that works, however it is that our bodies are saying, I want chocolate. Sometimes it really is. You're just dehydrated. So drink your glass of water. And if you still want chocolate after that, then maybe consider it. Yeah. Um, But drink your water first. And also water, like our body is made up mostly of water. Everything is fueled by water. Our brain is fueled by water. Our joints are lubricated by water. Organs work and they flush out toxins with water. So water is one of the best things to like reduce mental fog and increase your space and increase energy. Mm-hmm. Um, some other, another one would be some fresh fruit or veggies, specifically apples. Apples are a favorite of mine. They've got good fiber. They've got a ton of vitamins and nutrients, a lot of vitamin C, which is important right now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
They also are a good source of carbohydrates. So those are all the things that your body needs for a quick boost of energy. They need the carbohydrates, they need the vitamins, they need that fiber. Um, and then the natural sugar. Mm-hmm. Plus like the crunch. I know for me, if I'm like looking for something to like give me a boost, something that's crunchy keeps my body engaged while I'm eating it. Um, I try to not eat in front of my computer too much, but it just happens. Um, sure. Especially, especially now. <laughs> right. And so if you're like trying to get through a webinar and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm like losing focus. Mm-hmm. Um, a nice crunchy apple or some carrot sticks. Those are my, my top two go-tos um, for all those reasons. And actually the carrots are a sweeter vegetable. So it kind of, it can satisfy some of that, that desire for um, sweets. Nice. And I have heard that in a like sort of a different sense about apples. I don't know if, I don't know where I heard this, but about, you know, if you're trying to cut down on caffeine to replace a cup of coffee with an apple and it, it actually does work decently well. You know, it might not curb the headache that somebody, maybe me might get if they have less, less coffee than usual, but the energy factor is definitely there. There is something about that. That's super helpful. I've found. Yeah. Cool. Okay, the last one to just put in, um, put in your go bag, um, uh-huh. be like a handful of nuts, a container or a nice. zip bag full of nuts and just mm-hmm. raw or roasted, lightly salted. Don't, you know, avoid the ones that are covered in sugar. Um, mm-hmm. but nuts are a really great source of fuel and your body can burn fat as fuel really well and it can last a long time. So especially if you're kind of struggling between meals, a handful of nuts is a really good way to to bridge that gap. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, do you have any favorites, favorite nuts, favorite nuts? Um, I have been really into the shelled pistachios from Costco. Okay. Yes. <laughs> little, those can be dangerous. Cause then you don't have, um, the shell that you've got to work your way through. Right. So I mix my pistachios into just a little, um, like I make a little trail mix with just some raw almonds pistachios and some cashews. Those are my favorite. That sounds very good. Actually, it's making me hungry while we're talking about this. And it's not as labor intensive as the normal pistachios. So I can see how I would eat a whole lot of those, but yeah, delightful. Well, so that would maybe lead us into, I know at the very beginning, before we started together our conversation you were giving me sort of a rundown of this technique that you can teach us today to help start working on some of those habits and I'm going to be your guinea pig so please go easy on me but I'm very excited to learn so yeah if you want to just go ahead and and share that I'm excited let's do it so this is an activity that I've been using with my clients lately um, especially helping during this COVID time where the stressors mm-hmm. are higher and you know the, the willpower is a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that you asked. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to do a, a little bit of list making. So it should take about five minutes. So um, okay. if you are in a place listening where you can grab a piece of paper and something to write with, and if not, just listen and take five minutes when you kind of settle into wherever you are um, and go through this activity. Mm-hmm. It's not, there's not too many steps, so you should be able to remember it. Cool. But if not, it's recorded. <laughs> That's true. So you can just rewind. I am, I am ready with my pen and paper though for our list making. I'm, I'm good to go. Awesome. So let's just start off by making a list of vices that you have. Some of your habits that you feel like might not be the healthiest of habits, but that are your go-tos. So it can be food related or non-food related. Okay. Maybe, you know, three to five, or if you're listening and you want to explore some more, you can list them all out. I can pretty much pretty well see a pattern in my list of vices already as I'm writing them down. So, (laughs) okay. I, I have four. Is that an okay that's great. Start. Okay. That's great. Mm-hmm. Okay. So without any judgment, so mm-hmm. 
first of all, check it right now. All you did was make a list and we're just being aware because awareness is the first step. There's mm-hmm. no judgment. Every single human being has a vice. Mm-hmm. So it is okay. If you have a vice, it means you're human. Got it. Good to know. <laughs> I would agree with that. Yeah. Okay. So without any judgment, um, kind of take a look and ask yourself, what need is this vice serving for me? Is it bringing me, am, am I reaching for this because I'm looking for comfort, because I'm bored, because I need a distraction or I'm avoiding something? Is it because I'm feeling low on energy? Mm-hmm. I think several, I'm looking at my list and I think I have one that probably fits each of those categories. <laughs> so avoidance, comfort, low on energy, those kinds of things. Okay. Yeah. So for, for the listeners, um, take a look also and see, is there something, is there like a common need? Are they all different? It's okay if they're all different. Um, but if there's something that is sticking out to you more than others, just identify that and write it, write it on top of your paper, mm-hmm. circle it. Okay. Okay. Got it. So when, once you've kind of identified what are these needs, let's just pick one need right now. And we're going to brainstorm a list of non-food pleasures and have, and things that feel helpful, not harmful to you that would satisfy that need. And this is an activity you can do for yourself or you can do it in a, in a counseling session. Okay, so now that you've identified um, a common need or and or just pick one of the needs that you have found, um, I want you to brainstorm okay. a list of some non-food pleasures. So think about something that is helpful and not harmful to your general well-being. And just brainstorm. Just take, take a second to brainstorm. If you want to do this with a friend so you can talk about it, um, get some more ideas, you can do that too. Aim for, for five, five items, five pleasures that fill that need. So I picked comfort. So I'm trying to think of other things that maybe could bring me comfort. So for example, um, maybe some, like a, like a favorite blanket or petting my dog um, going outside and feeling the grass under my toes. Are those the kinds of things that we're reaching for in this exercise? Yes, absolutely. Okay. We have a lot of overlap, Laurel. (laughs) Good. Well, we can go eat pizza and ice cream and then go do our other things together. (laughs) And go cuddle our dogs while we roll around in the grass. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think that sounds like a great day. So, so mine, mine also was comfort. Um, mm-hmm. And some of, some of my vices I have uh, already told you guys about would be the ice cream or the wine or some chocolate or like a, you know, crunchy snack or some, something out of my uh, pantry of my indulgent snacks. Um, and my, some of my comfort things are, um, couple of things that you said, actually, you know, cuddling with my dog or taking my dog for a walk, putting on pajamas, which, you know, if we're home all the time, mm-hmm. I don't know, about you, but like putting on pajamas just like brings this like sense of comfort and mm-hmm. like extra indulgence, especially if it's the middle of the day, because it feels like a little bit naughty <laughs> to put on pajamas yeah. in the middle of the day. Definitely. Um, calling a friend. I've been really into face masks lately. So like, oh, that is a good like, one. really wash it, like cleaning my face and putting on a mask feels, feels comforting, feels indulgent. Yeah. What I love that idea. That's Did a great you have one. any others, Laurel? Um, I thought like, I usually think of taking a walk as like an energizing thing, like something I would do to energize me, but actually it is very comforting 
right now for me just to get out of my house because I am in there so much and just sort of there are a lot of comforting things about like I take the same route every time I can feel the air on my face I you know I can feel the sun because it's warm outside um so that was another thing that I maybe wouldn't have thought of initially but that came to my mind while I was making that list awesome And I like the idea of actually writing it down because I do think that there is some power in that and not just, I mean, walking through it in our minds, I'm sure is helpful, but I think it is powerful to see the list in front of you, to have the experience of writing it down, because I do think things come out when you're making those lists that you might not have thought of otherwise. So I I think that's great. Absolutely. And I think, you know, taking it from your brain to your hand and seeing it in your own writing, mm-hmm. um, there is, I mean, there, there is a connection between like between our, our brains and our writing and then our actions and follow through. You're much more likely to follow through on something if you've taken the time to write it down. Yeah, I agree. That's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. So the very last step of this exercise is to take your list and put it somewhere where you'll see it. And especially in a place where you might be reaching for some of those vices. So my list says, it's on a sticky note and it says things that bring me comfort. I mean, it's so simple and it's stuck on my my cabinet that has all of my treats. Mm -hmm. So when I go, if, you know, if I'm at my computer and I'm feeling, you know, stress about whatever it is I need to be doing, and I'm avoiding, or if I'm looking for comfort and I go to my cabinet and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just have a snack instead. I see that list first. And so it just, it gives me an honest check-in with myself. Mm -hmm. Why am I coming here? Am I hungry? Am I actually hungry? Or am I seeking comfort right now? Am I seeking an outlet from, from stress? And if I am seeking an outlet from stress, here are five to 10 different things that I could do instead of having a snack when I'm not actually hungry. Yeah. I think that's so smart because that's when we need it. You know, you and I, or any of us could make a list right now, but if it's not with us in that moment of trying to make the change, it's probably not going to do much. So I think that that would be a really, really important step to keep it there to where you can actually see it. Right. And you know, the the final thing I want to leave you with regarding this activity is, um, Sometimes this list is going to help you and other times you're going to look at it and that willpower is going to be out the window because maybe you're in fight or flight. And what we do know is that taking a few deep breaths will help your body get out of fight or flight unless there is actually a tiger chasing you, um, Mm -hmm. which usually there is not. Usually not. Hopefully there's not. And, um, but, but sometimes too, you're going to still go for the snack. And right. if that happens, give yourself the grace and just say, well, this time, this time I went for this. Okay. I'm going to choose to indulge. I'm going to choose to be grateful for this snack, grateful for this break and thinking about how my body is processing um, this food. And other times the list is going to be really helpful. And you're going to say, actually, maybe I do just want to go stand outside. I just want some sunshine. I want to wave at my neighbor. Like <laughs> maybe that's what, yeah. maybe that's what I need right now. And so if the list helps you even half of the time, 50% of the time, that is a huge win. Mm. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned that because that absolutely does tie back to how we carry ourselves into eating the meta- the mentality that we carry into our eating is powerful in and of itself. And so sometimes we really are just going to need that and it's okay. And let's, let's give grace and self-compassion for that. Absolutely. That's huge. Well, thank you. I love that tool. That was great. I'm going to use it and I made my list and I'm going to put it where it needs to go. And I think that's a great one to use with clients too, because it's so simple and quick and it's something they can do right now, which I love. And I know that, that people want those take-home tools, even as you're making those small changes, it gives that sense of success that helps, helps us keep going. Mm-hmm. So that's a great tool. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, sometimes I'll take it a step further too. And if I've identified that there's like a certain time of day 
where mm-hmm. I'm reaching for some sort of advice, I've put a reminder in my phone that pops up at that time of day. So mm-hmm. at 5 p.m. every day, I have a reminder that shows up that says, overwhelm equals I need a break. <laughs> I love that. Daily reminder. Because yes. that, that was a time of day where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like scrambling to get the rest of my work done. And how am I ever going to get it done? And it's easy to spiral. And then getting that, that reminder to saying, if you're feeling overwhelmed right now, that just means you need to take a break. Just walk away, go for a walk around the block. It'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. I'm glad you so, like yeah, I loved it. So as we sort of start to wind down in our conversation, I'm curious, you know, for you, um, one thing we're doing for everybody in these conversations is also to just check in with ourselves and see if there's anything that we haven't hit on anything that's, you know, when we, when we tune in and we ask ourselves, is there anything else left to say that wants to come out? So this would be your time. Like if there's anything that you really want to make sure you talk about that we haven't gotten to yet, um, let's do it. But if not, that's okay too. Um, I think the main thing that I just like to reiterate is to treat everything like an experiment. Nothing is set in stone. The next change you make is not going to be the last change you ever make. Mm, I love that. And if you can just pick, pick one thing to try and try it for two weeks. And if it's a food related thing, your taste buds change within two weeks. Mm-hmm. Your body starts a detoxification process in four weeks. Mm-hmm. So giving yourself some time frames and treating it just like a science experiment. I'm making my observations on my patterns. I have a hypothesis of what might could help me. And then I'm going to just do it for two weeks and see how it goes. So I think that can really um, take some of the pressure off of making some big habit changes. Yeah. Yeah. So important. Focus on just bringing in more good instead of even like letting go of the bad focus on just bringing in more good because eventually it's going to crowd out the bad, whether that's Mm. a food or an activity. If I'm just going to say, all I'm going to do for my experiment for the next two weeks is I'm going to eat more fruits and vegetables. It's going to automatically start to crowd out some of the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Thank you so much. This was, this was a wonderful conversation. I'm so thankful for you being here and sharing all of your wisdom and your experience and your, your personal and professional experience and your knowledge. I just am so, so grateful for your time and your, your sharing today. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. It's been an honor to be here. Yeah. Um, do you have, we're going to definitely be linking things so that people can find more about you, more about the work you do um, in our show notes, but do you have a website? Do you have socials? Do you have an email? You know, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about what you do? Great. Um, I do. I have all of those things um, and they're, they're all a work <laughs> in progress. <laughs> um, yeah. so- my, my website, my, my company is Speech and Movement. So my website mm-hmm. is speechandmovement.com. My email is speechandmovement at gmail.com. And my Instagram is at speech underscore and underscore movement. Um, so those are, those are all places that you can find me. If you are looking um, to connect directly, just don't hesitate. Send me an email um, through my website. You can send me an email as well. Um, but you know, re- reach out, and I'll get back to you within you know twenty four to forty eight hours. But right now, um, I'm making my kind of en- envisioning what this fall is going to look like, um, and I do have space for more one on one clients. And I am in the process of starting um, a handful of group coaching sessions too to have some of that group connect have connectivity 
um, relationship building and accountability. So those things are all in progress. So if you are, if you're looking for, you know, some support and making some habit changes, or just want to talk about what, what that might look like for you, um, just reach out on any of those, any of those platforms. Um, you can DM me, whatever. Um, and we'll, we'll just talk a little bit more to start a conversation. Amazing. Oh, we will put all of those links in the show notes as well so that people can hit them easily. And we're just so appreciative of you. Thank you so much for being here. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Have a great day, Allison. You too, Laurel. Talk to you Bye. soon. Hang on just a second. I can't believe I almost forgot to tell you. I am also the creator of the Wellness Before Work online course. In this hour-long course, you will feel like you just had an individual hour-long coaching session with me. You will explore your inner motivation for establishing a self-care routine. You'll explore when and where you can create time and space in your busy schedule and how to get yourself finally moving towards true action towards your health and wellness goals. Quick spoiler alert is that sleep is encouraged and having overcome insomnia myself, I will share with you my best strategies for getting a great night's sleep so that you feel refreshed and energized for the next day and to tackle all your goals. If you've ever had a hard time establishing a new healthy habit, or if you have spent so much time taking care of others that you have forgotten to take care of yourself and struggled to prioritize time for your own well-being, then this is the course for you. As a listener of this podcast, I want to share with you this course at 20% off. I know you're the type of person looking to better yourself because you're tuning in here and I want to honor that. So please take a look at this course and try it out at 20% off just for being you. The link is in the show notes. You can see more at speechandmovement.com and the coupon code is wellness3. Again, speechandmovement.com. The code is wellness3 for 20% off the Wellness Before Work online course. In this, you will have a 30-day money-back guarantee, plus you will get access to my virtual coaching community, and you'll have the opportunity for some real live coaching sessions with me virtually. If you are looking to prioritize some long overdue healthy habits and boundaries for yourself, and you're ready to start living a healthier, happier, more vibrant life, or maybe you already have some great strategies and you know that you've got some room for improvement, send me an email at speechandmovement at gmail.com to set up a free initial consultation and just see if one-on-one or group coaching services might be right for you. Let's just get the conversation started. No risk. I love talking with people about their goals and would honor the chance to get to talk to you. So please stay in touch. hope you enjoyed this conversation with Allison Hendry on our mood and food habits. It's been a pleasure hosting this conversation with you, and we would love to hear your feedback, suggestions, comments, or if you just want to say hey. You can find us at www.academyimh.com or email us at info at academyimh.com. Talk again soon.